Hello and welcome to the Basement Talk Podcast Special Edition. I'm your host, Adam Castor, here with my co-host, Ed Birdsall. Mr. Birdsall, how are you doing? We're back again. Mr. Castor, I am doing wonderful today. We are uh, practicing our uh, social distancing, our self-isolation, our self-quarantine. Um, hopefully everyone out there is doing wonderfully, is safe, is healthy, is obviously practicing um, all of the following, washing their hands, the self-distancing, self-isolation, not going out, stay home. Um, I am very comfortably doing this podcast in my New York Yankees pajamas and a just a long sleeve because, I mean, there's nothing better to do. And if you're, you're going to do a podcast, you might as well just do a podcast in the most comfortable way uh, possible. But it's only going to get worse before it gets better. So if we uh, if we abide by what the government is laying forth for all of us, uh, this will be done within no time. So uh, keep it up. Let's all do what we have to do to uh, end the spread of Corona. And uh, yeah, you're all here to listen to hopefully a plus podcasting, definitely a plus entertainment. Um, I don't know about the podcasting part, but uh, here we are. And uh, Adam, excited to have you back. And uh, let's uh, let's get to it. Yeah, it's kind of like how what you're doing. It's kind of like how newscasters they have the suit on top, and then they have like shorts on the bottom. So, oh hell yeah! So it's like you know only dress only just appropriately up to where they can see you. Only only do it up to where you have to. It's great. Absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, I would be doing the same thing. I mean, if I were if I were on uh, video cam right now, I would be looking the most dapper human being alive. But then what you can't see no guarantees there true i was actually i had a video interview a couple months ago and basically i had a suit i did the same thing it was, i mean it was in august so it was i had a suit on top and i was just wearing shorts on the bottom and it was great hmm it was very comfortable oh that's a that's a, that's a very power move there mr adam caster i like that i mean it's not like i was getting up or anything i was sitting in a chair so that's true Anyway, well, I mean, if, yeah. well, if 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 you ha- if you had to go pee or something, then that might have been a problem, right? But but thank, I wouldn't be getting up to pee in the middle of an interview. I, I would let my kidneys explode before I would uh, be getting up to uh, go relieve myself. Massive faux pas. Massive faux pas. Yes, sir. So let's start off as we usually do. This is going to be a returning segment for fans of the fantasy show, news and notes, an oldie but yes. a goodie. Yes, an oldie but a goodie. So, Bird, what do we have for news and notes? So, so for news and notes, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to go through my uh, my Twitter feed and I'm just going to see what is uh, what is out there. We aren't going to talk about the things that are coming up in the show. We're going to talk a lot about Prashad Perryman uh, signing with the Jets. We'll talk about that. Um, but from what I have here, uh, Tyler Eifert going to the Jacksonville Jaguars on a two-year deal. That is complete. The Patriots have re-signed Shelly Calhoun, defensive end. Uh, the Ravens, for a former Ravens linebacker, Josh Bynes, is signing with the Cincinnati Bengals. The best punter in free agency, because punters are people too. That's right. Sam Martin is signing with the Denver Broncos on a three-year deal. 
Uh, Devin Funches is signing with the Green Bay Packers. That is a very interesting one, considering uh, many people, myself included, don't think Devin Funches is that good, but that is beside the point. Uh, Richard Rodgers has signed with the Washington Redskins, former Eagles and Packers tight end. Uh, let's see anything else that's really noteworthy. Uh, Janars Jenkins got Janars Jenkins got a big extension. Yes, you are the uh, the Rams and Chargers. They got new logos also. Yeah, yeah. The Chargers one I actually like. The Chargers one I like. Yeah, the Chargers one is okay. The Rams one, on the other hand, ooh, ooh mamma mia. Apparently, uh, other teams are going to be getting some slight um, uniform changes or updates, like the the Falcons, the Browns. Uh, people said that the Patriots might be getting a new, like a little change, either like an alternate or just a change, maybe a little change. Honestly, they should really switch back to the old Pat Patriot logo. Because that is the best one, and that, and I'm a Jets fan. Saying that, yeah, uh, oldie, oldie, but a goodie. Oldie, but a goodie. Just, just take my words, right? Throw them right back at me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and a couple more things: uh, Nikel Roby Coleman signing a one-year deal with the Eagles. Uh, Tajay Sharp heading to Minnesota. Lo- looks like he's going to be the number two receiver uh, alongside Adam Thielen, of course, filling the void. Uh, left by Stefan Diggs. Um, and well, we the... didn't talk about Cam Newton being released officially. No, we did not talk about Cam Newton. We'll get to that. Uh, the Cowboys signing Don Terry Poe, and we do have some breaking news um, right off the rip. Perfect timing. Thank you, Adam Schefter, and thank you, Ian Rappaport. Uh, and Dominican Sue is expected to re-sign a one-year deal with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Well, that's good. I mean, they lost Gerald McCoy to the Dallas Cowboys. So they... Uh, well, Gerald, McC- Gerald McCoy played for the Panthers That first. is correct. That is correct. So really, the Cowboys the Cowboys are becoming Panthers South, if you think about it. Well, more like Panthers West, because it's more... Panthers West. Panthers Southwest. How about that? Yeah, because it's not that much more South. Panthers Southwest. Yeah. We're just basing this off of two guys, but we're going to roll with it. Yeah. Well, it's not as bad as the Rangers and the Lightning. That's true. That's true. The Lightning will forever be Rangers South. Uh, And the Cowboys also have signed uh, former Kansas City Chiefs tight end Blake Bell to a one-year deal. No, not that one. Can you imagine? No, not. No, not that one. If if it was if it was Travis Kelsey, you'd hear you'd hear me. I, I. I think the words that I would say would be too much even for this podcast. Honestly. And that's that's kind of kind of hard to do, but uh, yeah, that is uh, that's it for uh, the uh, the news and notes uh, part of it. Uh, do you want to talk about Cam Newton? Sure, why not? Let's do let's talk about Cam Newton. We kind of touched on it uh, last episode, but uh, Cam Newton is gone. He's not no longer on the Carolina Panthers. Uh, the Panthers traded away Kyle Allen as well to Washington, so uh, Kyle Allen's reuniting with his former coach in Ron Rivera. And basically, it's going to be Will Greer and Teddy Bridgewater at this point in Carolina for Coach Matt Rule. So it's going to be going to be interesting to see that if there well, there's not going to be any quarterback competition because Will Greer really is a project quarterback, and we kind of saw that when he was starting for Kyle Allen when 
at the end, like in the later half of the 2019 season. But the Panthers, as we'll talk about later in the show, they're adding some wide receivers as well. And especially wide receivers that Matt Rule is familiar with from when he was in college. And I think with all the with all these weapons, I think the NFC South is probably going to be the best division in football in 2020. And I don't think there are too many people that will disagree with me on that. Best division in football in 2020. I think the NFC West definitely has a good shout to be a part of that, given you know you have the four teams there that you could say are pretty competitive with one another. But the NFC South is really not a bad shout uh, at all, given what the Falcons have done, what the Panthers are doing, they're retooling and, and all that. I really think the Panthers can, can still be pretty competitive uh, for this upcoming season. Then you look at the Saints and, of course, you look at the Bucks and what uh, what they have done. But obviously the uh, release of Cam was expected. It was coming. Um, obviously it's a very sad end to a really – I guess you could call it a storied career uh, in Carolina for for Cam Newton, the end of an era for him. Uh, of course, capped off with the uh, trip to the Super Bowl against the Broncos, uh, which they lost to uh, to Peyton Manning. But talk about a climax! I mean, that was basically when Cam Newton's career jumped the shark, more or less. Yeah, yeah. I I, I guess uh, I guess Von Miller uh, really put a uh, put an end to that, but. I mean, it, it obviously is a tough situation right now for Cam because you look at the teams that need quarterbacks, and I mean the only the only two that really strike me as you know I'm saying you know right off the bat, bam, you know they desperately need a quarterback is the Chargers, who I think everyone at this point is mock is mocking that they're going to take Justin Herbert in the draft. And the Patriots, but we don't know what Bill Belichick is thinking, you know, whether Cam Newton is going to be that guy. And, yeah, you have the Bengals that need a quarterback, but they're taking Joe Burrow. I'm not even pointing them in this conversation. And the Miami Dolphins, too, but they're probably going to be in a good place where they can take uh, Tua Tagovailoa. Um, So it really is a big question mark as to where on earth Cam Newton is going to go and and play his football uh, in in 2020, and and honest to God, the answer is I mean I don't. Is there really a team out there, Adam, that you can say right now that if they sign him outside of maybe the Chargers and the Pats, that if they sign Cam Newton right now is is guaranteed just bam plug and play starter? Um, ooh, that is that's tough. I'm yeah. trying to think about it. Well, the Bears were one that jumped off the page to me, but they went and they got false. Right, exactly. I mean, maybe I could see the mm, – I don't know. The Jaguars, maybe, if they want – Maybe. If they think that Gardner Minshew maybe. can is – like, isn't ready for prime time. I don't know why they would. I mean, maybe – because there's Cam Newton and then there's also Jameis Winston who's out there as well looking for a new team. Right. I think I think Jameis is actually a pretty good uh, spot, uh, pretty good piece to potentially go to, to New England. I do I do I dare even say it. <laughs> that would be something. That uh, that really would be something. But here's if the Patriots would sign Antonio Brown, they would sign Jameis Winston. This is true. <laughs> this is this is true. 
Um, here's a spot that I don't think I don't think a lot of people are uh, are talking about. How about the Detroit Lions? You know, I was thinking about it as I was going through all the divisions. I don't know. I think I don't think Cam Newton would be as much of an upgrade to Matt Stafford as people think he would be. No, but I I think they're pretty equal in terms of where they are in their careers. Both have massive injury red flags. Um, Of course, Matt Stafford, though, is being paid the farm. So I don't know if they would really be looking to pay him to just be paying what they're paying him to be their backup, right? Um, I, I mean, but you look at what Detroit has. I mean, if you bring Cam in there, you you got to say that he probably was walking in to the best receiver that he's had since Steve Smith was in Carolina in Kenny Galladay. Yeah. I think so. And I'm not I'm not including Christian McCaffrey in this either, by the way. Obviously, you never pick when you're going to get cut. But I think next year would have been a better year to be a free agent quarterback than this year. Because you're going to have things like, oh, maybe Big Ben is going to retire. Maybe Tom Brady is going to retire. Maybe Philip Rivers is going to retire. Uh, you don't know what's going to go on with uh, Derek Carr and Mariota for the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. And there are a multitude of teams who might actually need quarterbacks. More openings than there would be this year when you're thinking about it. I mean, maybe, honestly, Washington is not a terrible place for... If they're ready If they're ready to give up on Haskins already, I mean, I, I guess so. Well, I think that Dwayne Haskins, as we saw is a very raw prospect. I think he needs to kind of like sit for a while and not play around play around such a shitty team for uh, for a bit. I I disagree with you on that one. I think that the way that you get a rookie quarterback to really learn his craft is by playing him and I don't necessarily agree with the fact that he has such a shitty supporting cast around him because he's got the familiarity with Terry McLaurin and that's that's the guy right now for for Washington. He is the best pass catcher that they have. So, I mean, if you're really going to look to I guess justify where you took Dwayne Haskins. I mean, you you got to play him. Uh you got to let him learn on the fly and I mean, I think that the best guy really to do that is is Ron Rivera cuz we've seen Ron Rivera do this with Cam he did it this season with Kyle Allen, and now Kyle Allen's going in there and becoming the backup now uh, to to Dwayne Haskins, or maybe potentially challenging for the starting job. I don't I don't know what that's going to really look like there in Washington, um, but for for me, the way that I look at a rookie quarterback is yeah, you can you can destroy him if if you play him in in a shitty situation where the team is not that good. Like if you were going to play anybody in. Like when Josh Rosen went to Arizona and he played, you know, the one year that he played in Arizona as a rookie, and that obviously just it crushed him. I mean, it absolutely crushed him, and he probably now is on the fringes of not even being in the league. I mean, that's just that's just the reality. Of I mean, it. that's but, that is so sad. What a what a disservice to Josh Rosen. It's just one of the worst things that could have happened to somebody's career. Just perennially fucked over. I mean, he wasn't good in Miami. Let's be real, but he just was not given a chance in Arizona. Well, no, he wasn't. He wasn't given a chance. But I also just think that the 
days of being a true pocket passer and just being a quarterback with an arm are gone. You know, I, I truly believe that. You have to offer something more than just being that guy with an arm. I mean, Philip Rivers gets by because he's been doing this for the last 18 years, whereas Josh Rosen, you know, he's new on the scene. These defensive ends are bigger, they're faster, they're stronger, and it requires you to have a little bit of ability with your legs. And, I mean, I don't think that we've seen Josh Rosen really embrace that enough, even when he was a starter in Arizona. Um, you know, it wasn't the best situation at all. It was a terrible situation, quite frankly. But I also think that there was a lot of signs of just basic immaturity with him. Um, he just didn't seem to read the game very well. He just he wasn't that kind of guy. Even coming out of UCLA, he really wasn't that guy for me that I was just sitting back and saying, Adam, you can attest to this because we talked about this when we did those hours and hours and hours of prospect uh, previews that we did on the Required Radio Fans That's show. not even an exaggeration, um, by the way. That was li- literally It's not hours. an exaggeration at all, you, and you can go and look for them uh, on Apple Podcasts after you subscribe to the Basement Talk Podcast and leave us a five-star review. Also on Spotify. You, you can, can do go. that as well. And on Spotify as well. Thank you, Mr. Gaston. You are learning very quickly, my young Padawan. And, I mean, it, it was a tough situation going to Arizona. I think anybody that was going there, you knew automatically was going into a really, really tough spot. And Josh Rosen, unfortunately, just didn't really fit the mold in terms of what they were looking for. And look what happens when you change your coach. You go to somebody else, and that coach wants his guy. And now they have Kyler, and now they have DeAndre Hopkins in there. So, uh, yeah, I think if Josh Rosen really wanted to uh, go back and change some things, I think he really would have embraced uh, potentially being more of a team guy and, and trying to actually learn um, instead of, you know, carrying the pout that he did and because he would he really would be the starter for this Cardinals team looking at Kirk, looking at Fitzgerald, and now looking at DeAndre Hopkins. But instead of it being Josh Rosen, it's uh, it's Kyler Murray. Well, honestly, just to end on this, I feel like it's kind of the same. It would be like if – because it's the same situation that happened to the Jets. You know, the Sam Darnold's first year, Todd Bowles and Mike McCagnin were there. And Todd Bowles gets fired. Adam Gaze comes in. And it would be like if Adam Gaze was like, you know what? Fuck this. We're going to take Daniel Jones with the third overall pick instead right. of Quinn and Williams. Or, um, wow, Josh Allen. The other Josh Allen. The other Josh Allen. There you go. So it's, a, it's the same thing. I mean, it would just completely stunt his growth. And it would basically force him on. Anyway, force him on the scrappy. But anyway... We're gonna we're taking up too much time talking about that because the real big news that broke while I was editing the the last episode of the Basement Talk podcast, which I basically called in I called it breaking the news would break, not this, obviously. Todd Gurley was released along with Clay Matthews, but Todd Gurley was released by the Los Angeles Rams. And then he signed about 24 hours later, he signed with the Atlanta Falcons on a uh, was a one year deal. Yes. Yeah. So this is, I mean, this is what happens. We're going to talk about this. I'm going to talk about this later. Well, we're both going to talk about this much later in the show. But the Rams are doing this to themselves. This is all 
the Rams doing. Like nobody else, the they're the reason that they're in this in this cap trouble because they decided to give Jared Goff this massive extension and basically tie up their cap for years and years to come on a player that might not even turn out to be that good. And now they don't have enough money to uh, keep their other highly paid player in Todd Gurley and potentially one of their weapons. So we'll talk about that later, but that's basically going to be my thought on both of these things. You see, I, I, I completely disagree with you. Uh, and it's very rarely that I am unequivocally disagreeing with what you're saying. But Is that sarcasm? I, I am in this. No, 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 no. Not at all. I, I am disagreeing with you. I think, listen, anybody who knows and has watched football with me or has talked football with me knows my, I don't want to say disdain, um, but my opinion that Jared Goff is not a good quarterback. And, and Adam, you do know this firsthand. Well, it's basically it rivals your hatred of Andy Dalton. Correct. It, it's it's sort of in the same boat. Okay. I think that what they paid Jared Goff was a disgrace. Fair enough. But I think it has more it, it says more about Todd Gurley than it does about Jared Goff. I really don't think this was a move to really, you know, save some some nickels and pennies, you know, against against their cap. I really don't think so. I think this was more about that the Rams just weren't comfortable with fielding Todd Gurley. And and there have been reports that have come out there since he signed with the Falcons saying, look, that knee is not getting better. It is getting worse. Well, that's how arthritis works. The Falcons know this. They are trying to go ahead and work around the limitations that are going to be there with Todd Gurley's knee. I fully expect the Falcons to go out and potentially draft a running back if if that is you know what they want to do. Ito Smith is is still there, but I really think going and drafting a running back is the best move for the Falcons to compliment Todd Gurley. I really do think that while people want to go jump and say, oh, Todd Gurley's going to the Falcons with Julio Jones, with Calvin Ridley, with Matt Ryan, this is going to be wonderful. I don't think so because we have not seen a running back have this sharp of a decline ever because two years ago we're coming off and we're talking about how Todd Gurley was was a beast number one overall pick in fantasy drafts yeah we're talking about him as having one of the greatest seasons for a running back ever period and two years later if anybody said to me two years ago hey Todd Gurley has a year year left of shelf life I would be like you're crazy you're out of your mind but it's the nature of the beast. It's the nature of the running back position. And I think, if anything, this does so much of a disservice for running backs that are looking to get paid. Ezekiel Elliott is really, really lucky that he got paid last year what he got paid. So was Le'Veon Bell, because, honestly. And so was Le'Veon Bell, exactly. Because now where we're at is we're looking at a market where teams are simply not going to pay top dollar for running backs. I mean, it, it really is plain and simple. And the two contracts that if you need anywhere else to look, you look at the deal that Todd Gurley signed with the Rams, and then you look at the deal that David Johnson signed with the Arizona Cardinals. It's the same sort of deal. Those two deals have not worked out 
for either party involved. David Johnson, of course, now with the Texans. Todd Gurley now with the Falcons. So it's going to give teams like the Tennessee Titans a little bit of caution when they figure out how much they're going to pay Derrick Henry. It's giving teams like the Cleveland Browns a little bit of caution when they have to figure out what they're going to pay Nick Chubb. And by the way, these are guys that are looking to get paid because it's going to be their first contracts. Well, so second contracts. You're really well. Their second contracts, first big contract. Yeah. Yes, I should I should have clarified. My apologies, but you, you you get the gist. A Leonard Fournette even in Jacksonville. That that's the sort of deal that we're talking about. Is you have guys that. You know, whether they're injury red flags or not, the steep decline for running backs is happening. And these are these are running backs that I, I don't think anybody is debating with Chubb, with Henry, with Fournette, with Zeke that are top notch top notch running backs. But the problem is you don't know when that decline is gonna start. You don't know how steep it's gonna be. It could be as steep as it is with Gurley, it could be as steep as it is with David Johnson, or you could have LaShawn McCoy who's you know, who is still pushing into his mid-30s and still producing at a pretty high clip. Won a fucking Super Bowl. Won a Super Bowl. Yeah, won a Super Bowl. But then, you know, two, last year was really the year that LaShawn McCoy just went, you know, belly up and, and, you know, that was that. But still, you had a running back in his mid-30s that was still still producing. But, you know, I really doubt that we are, you know, going to see something like that again uh, with the way that these running backs are just completely dropping, whether you want to say it's due to usage, whether you say it's one, it's due to the amount of contact hits that they take, whatever, whatever it may be. Um, but in any, in any case, going back to, um, the main point of this discussion with Todd Gurley is I just really don't, I don't see how anybody can trust that Todd Gurley is going to be the guy that he was two years ago. And, become this beast again overnight when it, the knee the knee condition that he has is degenerative and it's not going to get any better it can be masked it can be treated as best as it can but it's not something that's going to heal unless he gets a knee replacement so, unless he gets a knee replacement but even but even then you know you're, you're not as a top as an athlete at I, I mean i guess you could say you know top physical performance you know whatever you want to call it um I, I highly doubt that anybody is really going to suggest to Todd Gurley that he goes and gets a knee replacement surgery. Um, so that's true. It's it, it's a tough one. It's a really tough one to uh, to judge. Um, obviously, we're all rooting for Todd Gurley because the story, uh, him going back to uh, to the state of Georgia, where of course he played his college ball at the University of Georgia with the Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, it's it's a great it's a great story. And I remember I was talking to. Uh, our producer, uh, Matt Birdsalt, my kid brother, uh, he came in and we were talking about it. And I said, dude, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes to either the Bucks or the Falcons. And he said, why the Falcons? And I said, well, because I am, uh, I'm assuming that maybe Gurley would want to go back to his home state of Georgia, play, play where he played college ball. And uh, he gets to be close to home. And lo and behold, it happened. So, Bird, I have a question for you. Do you Shoot. remember a running back? By the name of Steven Jackson. I do. Do you know how they say that history is da- is uh, doomed to repeat itself? I am very well aware of that saying, yes. And it could be, repl- be applied to other things so much unrelated to football. <laughs> Remember about like, what was it, five years ago or four or six years ago when more or less this, this exact same deal happened where... Steven Jackson. Steven Jackson was cut from the Rams. And then he signed with the Falcons. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, seriously, this is this is actually pretty nuts. Yeah, he signed with the Fal. He signed with the Falcons, uh, twenty thirteen. Oh wow, yeah. So seven years ago. But yeah, this is this kind of ha- reminds me of that of that deal. I don't think. I mean, well, I mean, it wasn't too analytically driven when in twenty thirteen. But I think I still had the same reaction. I was like, why did the Rams cut Steven Jackson? He's one of the best running backs in the league. Yada yada yada. And then when he went to Atlanta, it was kind of just like meh. So, and Atlanta still had Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. This is 2013. They actually, the year before, they had they lost in the NFC Championship game. So they, the Falcons were still good at that point. And wow, this uh, this deal for Todd Gurley kind of, it feels like the Steven Jackson contract. I really kind of, I really hope it isn't. Because that would mean that Todd Gurley would end up going to the Patriots, which nobody wants. <laughs> <laughs> let me let me ask you, Adam. Let's uh, let's bring some fantasy into this, shall we? Sure. You're drafting today. Where are you taking Todd Gurley if you're taking him at all? I'm not taking him, but where would I be comfortable taking him? I'm not taking him earlier than round four. I'm probably in the same boat. I'd probably say round four or five. Yeah. But yeah. I think I don't know if we talked about this. I probably said I probably talked about this with with other players last episode. But Todd Gurley is going to be drafted based on name value. He's going to be drafted a lot Correct. higher than you he did. Is. You did talk about this. It probably wasn't for Todd Gurley specifically, but he's get no, it wasn't. But you talked about it for I forgot who you AJ talked Green. about it uh, talked about it for. Yes, it was AJ Green. So, it was so yeah. He's going to be drafted high based on name value. He's going to be drafted in like the second round or third round. Some guy who hasn't been watching football for four years is like, man, what is Todd Gurley still doing here in the third round? I'm going to pick him. Uh, Breaking news. Breaking news. Uh, Von Bell has signed a three-year deal with the Cincinnati Bengals. That is interesting. Very interesting. Um, So I just want to read off some names here, um, and you can tell me who would you rather have. Um, in in fantasy fantasy terms, uh, Todd Gurley or Aaron Jones? Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones. Todd Gurley or Leonard Fournette? Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette for me too. Uh, Todd Gurley or Josh Jacobs? Josh Jacobs definitely. Josh Jacobs by a million miles. Here's an interesting one because you have a guy that's going to be the lead guy versus a guy that may not necessarily be the lead guy. Todd Gurley or Austin Eckler? Mm. I'm going with Austin Eckler. It's a tie, I think. I a tie. We don't do ties here on the Basement Talk podcast. I need an Fine. answer. Todd Gurley. Really? Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Okay. Uh, Todd Gurley or Miles Sanders? I don't know. Honestly, that one. Mm, I think <sighs> Todd Gurley. Probably. I'm I'm going with Gurley on that one. Yeah, I'm go, I'm going with Gurley on that one. Uh, let's just see if there's anybody else here. Uh, Todd Gurley or Melvin Gordon, who is a very nice segue into the next part of the show. I should get a raise for that. That was something. I'd pick Todd Gurley, but I think I was gonna say I'm yeah I'm I'm going with Gurley, and it's not. I was gonna say that uh, Melvin Gordon should have gone across the street to the Rams after Todd Gurley was cut and start begging for a contract. Because he would fit pretty. <laughs> <laughs> so he can uh, he can 
he can just go use the uh, the same facilities as his uh, as his old team. Yeah, use use the same locker room, same team doctors. So anyway, Melvin Gordon did not uh, take my kick-ass advice and go across the street to the Rams office and try and sign a contract with them. He signed for division rival Denver, the Denver Broncos, and he is going to be in a ridiculous three-headed monster, which is basically a death knell for fantasy for a from a fantasy perspective he's gonna be in a three-headed running back tandem with uh, philip Lindsay and royce freeman and frankly i think that royce freeman is going to be the odd man out in this tandem because melvin gordon he he may have been terrible last year but he's too good to be a third choice running back or even a second choice running back and honestly i think if uh jared was here he'd be like he'd probably be cursing to the moon about the Broncos underutilizing Philip Lindsay again, because that is basically that's what he does. Uh yeah, that's about right. That's a good assessment. But this is this is a very strange, strange deal for me. Because I mean for both sides. Because Melvin Gordon, he was looking for a a place that would give him consistent touches. And he basically went to the opposite in Denver. And for the Broncos, they have two perfectly good running backs or one and a half perfectly good running backs. And they're like, okay, so let's bring in another guy. I mean, Melvin Gordon could have gone to a bunch of other places. We were talking about him going to the Buccaneers. That would have been a great signing for Tampa Bay and Bruce Arians. Would have been a perfect spot for him. I mean, he could have gone to the Lions. The Lions would have been a great spot for him also. Uh, can you imagine Melvin Gordon carrying on Johnson? Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Carry on Johnson is in Detroit. I don't want to hear it. I'm just saying. Don't you don't you dare say. ever talk about carry on in a negative light ever again. I'm not even I wasn't even talking about him in a negative light, but whatever. He is my son. Why would you ever, ever try and talk a father into saying something terrible about his son? Carry on is my child. Anyway. <laughs> so uh stalker vibes aside, let's so Bird, what are your thoughts on this signing? Do they? Do you actually do you agree with me for once? I I agree with everything you said. I mean, how how shitty of a look is it for Melvin Gordon, considering he was offered more money, more guaranteed money last year from the Chargers than he got from the Broncos? Two years, sixteen million dollars, with thirteen and a half of that guaranteed. That is not good. But that goes back to what we just talked about before in terms of the decline in the value of running backs and how nobody really wants to pay long-term dollars to running backs. Uh, The biggest red flag with Gordon has always just been how streaky his career really has been in terms of not scoring touchdowns, not having huge games, holding out last year, not coming back and being in the best shape, and of course the injuries that have also plagued him here and there over the course of his career as well. Um, Obviously the best thing about him is is his goal line prowess, um, so, I mean, look, if you're looking for a guy who's really going to get you the touchdowns, how explosive he is when he is on, when he does have the ball in his hands and can also catch the ball, Melvin Gordon can be that guy. My only problem is, is exactly what you said, Adam, is I don't see Philip Lindsay going away. I think Philip Lindsay is going to be a part of this, but they, Melvin Gordon's being paid like a three down running back. So, whether they're going to have Melvin Gordon be the guy on first and second down and maybe occasionally on third down, maybe they bring in Lindsey for a drive here and there. 
I really don't know how this is going to go. I think the only thing that I can say about this deal is that Royce Freeman is definitely on the way out, uh, whether it is going to be a trade before the draft, which I think is the best thing for him in terms of trying to get his career jump-started again. Um, whether or not the Broncos, of course, let that happen is another thing because, of course, the Broncos love having three running backs that can contribute. They obviously have done that with Devontae Booker as well. Um, but I'm just looking at the situation, and I'm just saying, oh, my Lord, what are they going to do in terms of in terms of Philip Lindsay? Because you, 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 this is a guy who was undrafted and then just rattled off 2,000-yard seasons in a row. And, I mean, they're just going to kick him to the curb? I, I mean, I, I highly doubt it. So, I mean, I think I, I really think that uh, Philip Lindsay does have a part to play in this. Um, and that is going to hurt Melvin Gordon in terms of his receiving ability. I mean, I just don't see a situation where Melvin Gordon records more than 50 catches this year. I mean, I, I really, really don't, and that's one of the strong parts of his game is his ability to catch the football. So uh, it, this is just, it's, it's a shitty, messy, messy, messy situation, and I mean something that in terms of fantasy, you know, I, I, I want no part of this. No thank you. Yeah, as what this is the same thing that people said when uh, Russell Westbrook and James Harden got together in Houston. There's only one ball. You can't, right. yeah, you you can't get twenty touches a game for Melvin Gordon and Phil Lindsay, and also uh, have a couple touches for Royce Freeman. There's only one ball. There's only so much time in a game. There are only so many times you're running the ball. And with the uncertainty at quarterback that the Broncos have, uh, you know, you're going to be passing the ball a lot more than you're running it at the end of the games. So, yeah, you're right. So this is just a head-scratching move. Next thing we're going to be talking about, we're going to be talking about uh, a New England Patriots quarterback, a former New England Patriots quarterback. Not No, not that one. Not that guy. A former New England Patriots quarterback that actually re-signed with the New England Patriots. Brian Hoyer. Cleveland Browns fans know him as that guy that gave you the more the four most magical weeks of your season since the expansion <laughs> since you since the revival in 1999 and uh Indianapolis Colts fans know him as the guy that lost to the Dolphins. All very fair and valid yeah. points. So Brian Hoyer, going back to New England, I would be shocked if Bill Belichick is like, all right, cool, so that's it. We're done. No no need to, to get anybody else. We have Brian Hoyer and Jared Stidham, and, that, and those are going to be our two quarterbacks. Honestly, I think Bill Belichick is just like, you know what? This is too easy for me. I want to I do a challenge run. I'm going to win. I'm going to see if I can make the playoffs with Brian Hoyer and Jared Stidham as my starting quarterbacks. I mean, this is this is crazy. <laughs> well, here's a theory out there that's being floated around on the uh, on the Twitter. So, and this is not something that I'm reading verbatim, but this is just something that I have uh, seen and I have talked to a few people about, and there are some people who are definitely on the bandwagon. So tell me if I'm off, off base here, Mr. Caster. So the belief is that the Patriots are going to pull a Golden State Warriors and they're going to have a down oh year. God. They're going to be a laughing stock. 
they're going to get the number one overall pick, and they're going to take Trevor Lawrence. And the dominance of the Patriots just continues for another 15, 20 years. And Bill and Bill Belichick, just Lord Vader, just lives forever. You know, I wouldn't put it past them. Honestly, neither would I. To do something <laughs> ridiculous I. like that. I mean, it, it would be, oh my lord, if if that's what this leads to, that Trevor Lawrence goes the number one overall pick next year. Odds are, is taken by the Patriots. Oh, Jesus. Well, Christ. if that happens, then I hope Trevor Lawrence t- stays in school for that year. If the Patriots end up actually doing that, I think the tears of Boston sports fans watching their team go like one in 15 is it's going to be great. It's going to be amazing. Let's move on from uh, quarterbacks, but let's stay in the AFC East and talk about my favorite team, the New York Jets, who we let our number one quote unquote wide receiver go Robbie Anderson reuniting with Matt rule from their days at temple and going to the Carolina Panthers which is for $10 million per year for two years. And then they also signed former Ravens draft bust, Brashad Perryman, who had a solid last three weeks of the season or last four weeks of the season with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So let's start with Robbie first. Honestly, you hate to see him go. He and Sam Darnold had some great chemistry together, but I think Joe Douglas is as we're seeing Joe Douglas is one of those general managers who has a line and he's not going to go past it. You know, Mike McCagnan was like, you know what? Fuck it. We have money. We're going to spend money and we're going to win in March. Who cares what we do from September to February? But Joe Douglas is like, you know what? We're building for the future here. I've been left with nothing and I need to not spend as uh, willy-nilly as my predecessor did. So I think for the, I mean, for the Panthers, this is a great move because Robbie Anderson is just another person. It's just another target to add to the receiving core of Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey. And then for Brashad Perriman, the Jets really need to make it utilize this deep draft class of wide receivers that we have because I am confident that Joe Douglas is not done here because honestly a, a receiving core of Brashad Perriman, Jamison Crowder, half of Quin- half of Quincy Inunua and practice squad players whomever else and whomever yeah. else yeah it's not it's not going well it's not going to get it's not going to do well and this is really where you're going to see his bones as general manager because basically threat free agency Joe Douglas is like how many different offensive linemen can I sign no yeah. it, it's it's 100% true I mean this is a conversation that I had with somebody last night and I really want to ask you about this yes it's a great deal for Robbie Anderson and the Carolina Panthers he goes and plays with uh, Matt Rule again who of course was his college coach at Temple uh, there are going to be a lot of as we get a lot of competition for targets there in Carolina with uh, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, Robbie Anderson, Seth Roberts, who has recently signed there, Ian Thomas as well, the tight end who most likely now is going to be the tight end for the Carolina Panthers. But I want to talk about this from the Jets' perspective because Adam, of course, being Mr. Jets uh, on this podcast, um, 
I want to ask you about their their future plans. Obviously, the draft coming up in less than a month. As of now, it's coming up in less than a month. I don't know, you know, where we're going to be in a month from now. But I had a conversation with someone last night about this, and I want to hear what you have to think. So obviously, the Jets have holes, right? Mm-hmm. They have a, a glaring hole at receiver now, and they also have a hole at on the offensive line still. I don't think anybody believes that uh, that Fant is going to be the guy for the Jets, right? Well, yeah. Either so, Fant or Chumadoga. So, yeah, correct. Correct. So, where are you now zeroing in on, at that pick at 11? Tackle. Are you going... Tackle. Offensive tackle. You are You are going tackle. You, okay. That's what I said. Andrew Thomas... Mekhi Becton, Tristan Wirfs, and I uh, forgot the name of the fourth guy. Jedrick yeah, Wills. Junior. Jedrick Wills. Jedrick junior. Wills from Alabama. Yeah. Those are the yep. guys. One of them is going to be there. Looking at mock drafts, they're kind of like interchangeable at this point. Whether I think Andrew Thomas is probably going to be the best out of the four. But as we've seen in the draft, you can't really predict things. You can't really predict what teams are going to do, especially when you have the Giants picking before the Jets. And uh, who knows if uh, Dave Gelderman is just going to get like super hammered and be like, all right, so uh, we're going to pick like a wide receiver at third, at uh, second, second overall. So you never know what's going to happen with that. But I think that one of those four tackles is going to be there at 11 for the New York Jets. And that's where they need to go because Jerry Judy and the other wide receivers in this class are great, but there are so many wide receivers in this class that re- that yeah. Go ahead. Go There's ahead. So many wide receivers in this class, and if you're looking on a positional totem pole sense, offensive tackle is more important than wide receiver. And sure, the Jets have a hole at wide receiver, but also, I mean, Jamison Crowder is still solid. Let's not forget about that. And they also have Ryan Griffin and Chris Herndon at tight end. And Le'Veon Bell can catch balls out of the backfield. So you can let a guy develop for a little bit. Offensive tackle, and especially cornerback, which strangely nobody is talking about, also is another glaring hole for the New York Jets. Offensive tackle and cornerback are the two positions that Joe Douglas needs to focus on the most in this draft. And that, and there's no two ways about it. Well, I, I, I agree with Literally everything you just said, and, and we've uh, we bounced back from uh, the Todd Gurley takes where I just couldn't agree with anything you were saying. We've uh, we've we've bounced back there, Adam. So very good job, pound on the back Mother's for that. Um, I mean, I agree, I agree with you. I think that the Jets there is a clear need for a tackle, and when I talked about this last night, I said quite frankly that you look at these two positions, tackle. Offensive line, whether it's tackle, guard, center, whatever it may be, that is a foundational position. That is a position that you build your franchise around to protect your franchise guy, right? Mm -hmm. That is what you go and spend your first-round pick on if you are a rebuilding team. Yes, the Jets, they can compete this year for a playoff spot with that extra spot now being in play. Do I think that they get there? It's a possibility. It, it definitely is a possibility. They had se- they had seven wins last year with Sam Darnold missing three games. So it is possible that the New York Jets do make a run for that final playoff spot. But the point that I had made was 
how good really is Jerry Judy going to be if Sam Darnold is playing behind that offensive line that he has right now and he has no time to get Jerry Judy the ball? That is partially my problem with taking Jerry Judy in the first round. So if you don't take Judy in the first round, who else would really be there? This is the deepest wide receiver class that I think that I have seen potentially in my life in terms of guys that I could pick out and say, you know what, this is a guy that can compete, this is a guy that can play right away, and this is a guy that can, of course, contribute right away, which is, of course, what we're looking for. So outside of the top three, which is, of course, uh, Jerry Judy, CeeDee Lamb, and Henry Ruggs, you might be asking who might potentially be there. Justin Jefferson out of LSU. He could potentially be there. He's a very good route runner, has outstanding ball skills as well, and he was top three in the country in receptions, yards, and touchdowns. Ridiculous. Obviously playing with Joe Burrow, that helps, but still, his measurables are outstanding. 6-1-2-0-2. That's really, really, really good. Next up, probably my favorite receiver in this class, LaVisca Cheneau out of Colorado. A junior, 6-1-2-27, so a big boy. But he's very, very, very smart. And that's what I love about him. He can break tackles too. He's got great size. His strength is really good. His vision in open field is outstanding. And he can put a move on people, which we really love. So getting back to the point is you start by taking the foundational pick over the luxury pick. The luxury pick would be Jerry Judy. And you take Judy if you don't have any other holes in your team. And the holes that you do have, there's not really a guy there that you could take. Then you go ahead and you take Jerry Judy and you say, all right, we'll figure it out later. But your number one priority if in the New York Jets without before anything else is you have to protect Sam Darnold. Because I think Sam Darnold is a guy that can make his receivers better. I really do believe that, that you don't need necessarily a top guy for your receiving core to be productive. So if you get him the offensive line and you protect him and you give him the time to make the throws, there's a possibility that Sam Darnold makes one of Quincy and Noon, one Jameson Crowder, or Brashad Perryman, or anybody else that's there, might turn them into a star. You don't know that, and you don't need Judy to do that. So I, I agree with everything you said, Adam. Tackle for me is the pick. If they do go Judy, I wouldn't be surprised because it's a sexy pick. And it's one that I think a lot of Jets fans would be celebrating over. If they go tackle, you might get some people that are going to be like, oh, shit, we just passed up on Judy, this and that, this and that. But, again, it comes down to need. And, and the Jets, the biggest need right now is you have to protect Sam Darnold, period. By the way, do you know what position that their general manager played when he played football? Uh, I will take uh, what is offensive lineman. Yeah, you'd be correct. So this guy knows offensive lineman. Do I have control of the board? Do I have control of the board there, Alex? Do do I have? Uh, was that a six hundred dollar question? Was that an eight hundred dollar question? Was that a thousand? No, it was a, it was like it was a hundred dollar question. I mean, it's very easy. Ah, disturbing, yeah. disturbing. I quit. I quit okay. this game. So we kind of just made that a two for one, basically, with uh, Robbie Anderson, Bashad Perriman, and the last. We're gonna stick with wide receivers for our last two subjects. Emmanuel Sanders. Going to Nola, playing in the super in the Superdome with Drew Brees, and also he's going to be lining up opposite Michael Thomas. 
in that Saints receiving core. This is a pretty uh, interesting signing. I think that, uh, I mean, Emmanuel Sanders is still still got it in a way. He really showed up for the San Francisco 49ers. He re- And honestly, I don't really see anything wrong with this at this point. I don't know. Do you see anything wrong with this uh, deal? No, absolutely, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I think this is actually a, a very good deal uh, for the New Orleans Saints. You get a guy that can come in and operate uh, underneath Michael Thomas. It creates a bit of uh, cover in terms of Michael Thomas being able to get open and not have to worry about too many double teams. Because quite frankly, you saw too many times last season where Michael Thomas getting double, sometimes triple teamed. And I mean, not that it was doing anything because Michael Thomas is just that guy. He's just a beast. But now that you bring in Emmanuel Sanders there, there's another option, there's another outlet in that passing game for the New Orleans Saints to go ahead and utilize to try and create some separation for Michael Thomas. I really do like this deal a lot. Um, it makes them a whole hell of a lot stronger in a very crowded NFC. And you you can need all the pieces that you can get these days in the NFC just based on how talented it is. So uh, we're, we're really going to see here and uh, try and figure out you know, what is really going to happen in terms of is Michael Thomas going to take a hit from this? Is Emmanuel Sanders going to turn more now into that immediate slot guy? Is he going to be on the field for the majority of the time? I mean, I don't think Michael Thomas takes a huge hit from this. I think he's still far and away the, the most surefire, safe receiver in the league in terms of the connection that he has with Drew Brees is just absolutely outstanding and probably is better than, I would say, better than most uh, wide receiver quarterback relationships that we have in the league. I think the only one maybe that could top that right now is possibly Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. What they have is just ridiculous, and Michael Thomas and Drew Brees are definitely up there as well. But in terms of what Emmanuel Sanders brings to the table, he brings another guy into that offense that can make plays. I think we, we saw a little bit last year that the Saints became a little over-reliant on Michael Thomas a little bit, and this was a time when Alvin Kamara was not scoring, Drew Brees was out, he was hurt, and then came back, and it really just seemed that the offense was flowing through Michael Thomas and, and through that passing game, and obviously, yeah, he was able to get open, he was able to make the plays, but we don't know if he's going to be able to do that two years in a row after teams really learned about it and how the Saints offense really the ebbs and flows of that, so Emmanuel Sanders coming in coming into town gives defenses something else to potentially think about. So I, I love this move for the New Orleans Saints. I I mean I agree, wholeheartedly agree. I mean this is this is a solid deal for both parties, and it should be interesting to see how they uh, work in that incredible NFC South that we talked about before. Let's stick with the NFC, stick with wide receivers for our last topic, and that is Brandon Cooks. He was, well, a former Saint as well, Brandon Cooks, drafted by them in 2014. He was traded to the New England Patriots, went on to lose the Super Bowl to the Eagles, traded to the Rams, and then went on to lose the Super Bowl to the Patriots. So uh, maybe a little bit of bad mojo, I don't know. But anyway, Brandon Cooks is looking to be traded again by the Rams. And this is the kind of thing that I was talking about in the open with Todd Gurley, where the Rams are kind of have been uh, hamstrung by Jared Goff's contract because really, I mean, besides this isn't because of any dodgy knees or anything like that. This is strictly financial. 
the reason why the Rams might are opening are open to trading Brandon Cooks. But honestly, I think it's counterintuitive because you have Jared Goff, who you signed to a mega deal, and you basically traded away all of your first round picks for the foreseeable future, and you pick now as the time to rebuild, more or less, or retool, because that's what happens when you cut. You're starting running back and you're open to trading your starting wide receiver, your number one wide receiver. And Bird, I want to see, I want to hear your thoughts on this and maybe possible landing spots for Brandon Cooks. Well, I mean, Brandon Cooks, obviously from when he arrived in Los Angeles to now just has completely fallen off in terms of his ability this past year was just not what it needed to be. The injuries, the uh, lack of production in general was just not where we expect from someone that is of the talent of Brandon Cooks. Yes, he still obviously can contribute somewhere, um, but I don't know if that spot really is going to be Los Angeles. In terms of potential landing spots and where he um, potentially could go. I think the one landing spot that for me jumps right off the page is a team that obviously needs a wide receiver and needs help in this area is the team we just talked about, the New York Jets. They need a wide receiver, period. Brandon Cooks would come in there and he would give them a, something that they don't have on this team right now. That is a downfield threat. Well, And yeah. Sam Darnold, I think, would love... Brandon Cooks I really really do and I think that is the landing spot that for me jumps right off the page I said potentially the Green Bay Packers could be a landing spot as well the Houston Texans could potentially be a landing spot I don't know if they would go that length to really do it uh, right now Uh, I heard some people talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars that they were sniffing around and talking about Brandon Cooks but I I don't see the fit there so uh, the New York Jets really is is one that says for me yes that that is a spot that really really fits uh in terms of what they're looking for what brandon cooks potentially could be looking for in a new team i think that's a marriage that can really work out and would give sam Darnold what he needs and that is again a a game-changing receiver so here i'm going to give you a hypothetical here so would you trade the giants third round pick from the letter williams trade and maybe a fifth rounder for Brandon Cooks, if you're the Rams, I would trade a I would trade a fourth rounder straight up. Really, fourth rounder for that Cooks. would be done phenomenal. If that was the trade, I would take like that would be incredible. I'm not, I wouldn't be giving up a third for it, but if you need to put a fourth and then put a lower pick, a lower future pick in there, yeah, I'd do it. Well, it'll be interesting to see if Joe Douglas actually does that because that would be incredible. I mean, if this is the it that would, would be, be like. It wouldn't be as incre- as incredible as the as the DeAndre Hopkins trade, but I think it would do it would work wonders to shut all of the Jets fans up who want us to draft a wide receiver in the first round, not knowing how football works. Because geez, if I've one person if I have one more person on my Twitter who says we should draft a wide receiver, I think I'm gonna delete Twitter entirely because it's just, I'm just sick of it. <laughs> It's just I'm sick of it. It's just it's just annoying. No, I mean I I really think you're uh, you're right. And if you bring in Cooks, it ends the talk of Judy, and you know what you're getting. You're getting one of those uh, those big time uh, tackles. Well, plus also if they bring in Brandon Cooks, then that means that they can use the picks on their other positions of need 
like edge rusher, cornerback, offensive tackle, of course. And um, this is all true because the Jets do have a fair amount of uh, draft picks. They have multiple high draft picks, high-ish draft picks. So this is going to be a watershed. This could be a watershed uh, draft for Joe Douglas because as we famously know, because the news broke that that, uh, McCagden was fired on the fantasy show, Joe Douglas was not a part of the 2019 draft process at all. So this is going to be right. his first real draft in charge. Uh, we have some breaking oh, news. We do. Yes, we it? do. Oh. Uh, two two news items. Um, Jermaine Effetti is signing a one year deal with the Chicago Bears. Uh, former first rounder from the Seattle More Seahawks. More one year deals. More one year deals. And the New York Jets have agreed to terms with former Ravens linebacker Patrick Onwasor. I did see that. Simini tweeted that. They also uh, re-signed Neville Hewitt. Yes, they did. I saw that. So that's cool. They still and they well they also re-signed Jordan Jenkins, which is great. It's nice that we were able to bring him back. And that's a that's a crowded linebacker room now. Wow, a lot of former Jets. Ravens on that linebacker room. Ravens North. Ravens North. Well, it started with Rex Ryan. <laughs> Rex Ryan brought uh, Jim Leonard with him. Uh, Rex uh, Ed this Reed is true. was there for like half a season. Hey, and now and now Jim Leonard. Now Jim Leonard is the uh, defensive coordinator for uh, his university, uh, Wisconsin. Yeah, that's correct. Bart Scott was there, of course. Former True. Raven, uh, C.J. Mosley as well. So, yeah, Ravens North, definitely. At least on the defensive front, Ravens North. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Basement Talk podcast. Remember that you can find all episodes of the Basement Talk podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Be sure to leave us a five-star rating. For my co-host, Ed Birdsall, I'm Adam Caster, and we will see you next time on the Basement Talk Podcast. Stay safe, everybody. Bye-bye.